Today is December 21st, and we are joined by a special friend. His name is Ryan Rucco. Let's do it. Let's talk Yanks. Hello and welcome to Talking Yanks. Thank you very much for dropping by, tuning in, and listening to us today. My name is Jimmy. Sitting next to me is Jake. Usually in the corner is Bug Bug Dude, but he's out because he's producing another show. Just Mr. Producer Dude. We just wrapped up a chat with good friend Ryan Rucco. Talked about a lot of stuff, Jake. A lot of stuff. List it numerically. Ooh, okay. So we started out... Um, let's see, there was a, a section about hair. We did a net section. We did a Sabathia section. We talked about a ton of stuff. Ryan, uh, Ryan's awesome. It's, uh, it's almost hitting the point where it's one of those weird things that we haven't gotten to hang out with Rooks because of COVID and like, I just moved here and we, we, you know, we talk about that a little bit on the podcast, but I mean, he's... He's awesome. He's been awesome to us. I think anyone that gets in contact with Ryan Rucco says he's been awesome to us, though. So, uh, I mean, we had a blast. We just straight up yucked for the first 30 <laughs> minutes or so, and then we got into some of the Yankee stuff. And, man, his, uh, you know, you just, with broadcasters, and, again, it's kind of the crossover from our media to to their media, you know, sometimes you wonder – what kind of answer you're going to get, especially, you know, Ruko's got to go to Yes Network. He's not going to just bash a player, and he didn't. Mm. <laughs> like, he's never. He's, not. he's never. But uh, his answer about, like, DJ LeMahieu is, like, the passion of a Yankee fan with the professionalism of a broadcaster is like, oh, yeah, that's why you do this. So uh, Ruko is awesome. What else do you say? He's the best. Shaved head. Big time question about being bald in the winter yeah. coming. So tune in for that. I just got my... Elias Book of Baseball Records. Yeah. So this is going to change my life for a little bit. How many uh, World Series do you think is the most World Series a single manager has lost? Has lost. Single manager World Series losses. That was the first page I flipped to, so it's the trivia question. I'll go five. Okay. Is that without winning, or is it just Uh, who's lost the most? uh, the, the The person who has lost the most World Series has also won Three. Okay. So, yeah, I'll say they went three and six. Corny Mac. Yeah, you said five. You changed it to six, but it is six. Okay. John McGraw for the Yankees. Wow. Tug's uncle. Lost in 1911, 1912, 1913, 1917, 1923, and 1924. Tough, man. Tug's actually great grandfather's uh, cousin. Can't be winning if you're losing. Ooh! And here's Ryan Rucco. <laughs> We are joined by the thrill from Fishkill, the voice of <laughs> NCAA women's basketball, the Nets. You see him everywhere, Yankee. It's Ryan Rucco, our friend. Most importantly, Ryan Rucco. How you doing, Rooks? I- I'm doing good, Jake. I'm just glad that I like 
I can be a friend of the show, man. Like that's 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 really, you know, you want to be the guy who like feels like a you know he's actually when they say that like actually is, and I feel like I actually am. I'm yeah. a friend of the show, right? I mean, it's got to be your fourth time, fourth fifth time sitting down with us. The audience can't see it because it's cropped, but your Christmas tree looks great. Thank you. The apartment yeah. looks very nice. Do you want me to show them real quick? Yeah, tilt if it that way. If you want a tour, a yeah. Look at that. Hey. Very. There you go. And I mean, the door is a little crooked, but otherwise, I really, I'm happy with the trick. I don't want to be too intrusive. Is that a Peloton back there? Are you Peloton? That is. You see the little screen? Oh, yeah. I'm that Peloton, tiny screen man. and you figured it out. Oh yeah, I'm oh. I'm Peloton gang now. It's recent. I didn't think I was going to get into it at all and I'm in, man. Those classes are awesome. They're nuts. Dude. Phenomenal. They're phenomenal. I um like I just love that you can have a mindless cardio that has a lot of variety, you know? Because I hate when it's like up to me to go, okay, what do I want to do for car? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, uh, I don't know. Like, I like when someone's like, you know, no, this is your 20 minutes. This is your 15 minutes, your 30 minutes, whatever it is, 40 minutes. And we're going to listen to cool music and you're going to be motivated by me. And we're going to have fun together. That's I, yeah. pretty great. I, that's why on treadmills, A, I need a treadmill. Otherwise, if I'm like running in the street, I'll just stop running. And then I'll be like, well, nothing's forcing me to do this anymore. So now I'm walking. But I also like choosing the trails that are like, you know, uphill, downhill. Because if it was up to me, I'd just walk straight for a mile and be like, I got my mile in and not break a sweat. But I like choosing yeah. those paths. Okay? There's something about like the change of scenery, right? That like, yeah, that, that kind of like helps to push you. And yeah, so I'm a big fan. I'm a big Peloton fan. I, uh, I have my instructors I love who are a couple friends. Ali Love, Alex Tucson. Oh, yeah. Those are those are my go-tos. But all of them are like I've 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 dabbled with some others as well, and they're all super talented. And it's funny too, just a random aside, but I remember when so I've known Ali Love for years because she's host of right. the Nets games at Barclays yeah. Center. And I remember, and she's like has a variety of successful ventures uh that she's involved in. Um and I remember when she was like going to take the Peloton job at the very beginning of this, I was kind of like a I honestly was like, is that really like, like her career's like blowing up. She's like a, 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 a massive like uh, fitness model for Adidas. She's got the net stuff going. She's doing other sort of like wellness space stuff where she was crushing. And I was like, I don't know. Like, cause I was just thinking through the prism of like a soul cycle instructor kind of, I was like, I don't know. I feel like, you know, this woman's on her way to like hosting Good Morning America. Is that the place for it? Well, I was wrong. Like, yeah. yes, it was the place for it. She had amazing insight for it. And now I think, you know, the world uh, is her oyster. So, yeah, pretty crazy. That's where I, so I actually came from the reverse angle. I didn't know she was the Nets uh, mm. in-game person because I hadn't what's the correct? What's yet. the correct term there? The, in, in arena host in arena, arena host, host. Yeah. Okay. yeah and uh so i saw it reverse so i saw like took one of her classes i was like you're incredible and then saw like she's got a huge following and everything and then i think our keith who does the talking net stuff he was like oh yeah she's just you know the nets and i was like she's flying past that like she's yeah. <laughs> she's incredible so yeah she's amazing she she is we ali and i actually did uh during um geez i think it was may when we did it, we did this like Peloton race with different athletes. We did a men's race and a women's race, or I think we called them rides instead of races, but for the men and women uh, on ESPN with like at home oh, equipment yeah. and stuff back, 
before sports had opened back up, and Allie and I uh, broadcasted it slash hosted it together, um, which she can do that as well, as you might imagine. <laughs> How long um, ago does that feel like? Because that's – Ryan, I've, I've got one other thing. About a year ago today, I saw you. You were calling the Nuggets Christmas game in Denver, and just after the game I gave the tipsy – guy from yes. the stands, Ruko. Like, I think I know who that <laughs> That's is. That's right. Don't look Dude, him in the that eye. Was, that was so funny seeing you there, man. Like, I, um, yeah, man, it, it feels, it's so weird. It, I mean, I know you guys deal with this. All of us have dealt with this, right? But it's so weird when you think about the way time has felt over these, this last, you know, nine and a half months, because in some ways it's felt like the longest year ever. And in other ways it's like gone by like that. And it's like, how, like, how? How are we this far away from that? Like, I know the the Peloton thing I did was was over six months ago now. I mean, seven months ago that we did that. Like, it's so weird. It's so crazy. I mean, look, in my apartment, I'm broadcasting NBA on ESPN <laughs> games. You know, like, I mean, it's strange world we're living in, guys. But thank God, uh, you know, we're, we're getting to work again and we're healthy. And right now, that's a big blessing and a big win. How, how many did... When did you start calling, or what was your first calling games from home like? I we we talked to Kay over winter meetings, uh, our version of winter meetings, and I was making fun of him or, or joking. I'm like, "Would you retire if you had to do that full time?" Because at the beginning, he didn't admit it, but he was miserable. He was like, "I can't tell where a ball's going." He was like, "Yeah, very nervous." And then I just made a little video on the Western Kentucky versus Alabama game, and the guys were oh call- my gosh, oh. they were calling it from their home. Yeah. And they didn't change the score bug, so the announcers just like has no idea what's going on. So did you? How how was it for you? Did you run into a lot of like, what is this? At the yeah. start, it's. I think you have to. So my old co-host Robin Lumberg. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Robin at all, but he, first of all, of all the people who I've worked with uh, in this business, I may have learned more from Robin than anybody. He is incredibly smart and just really knows he just really knows media um and uh, and he's a really intelligent and funny guy and he used to always have this quote he would use where he would say perfect is often the enemy of good and it's true right i mean we often forget that something can be good because we know it's not perfect and so i kind of try and see this situation through that prism where like i know i'm gonna have drawbacks i know i can't be at my absolute best like i can't you know there are certain things restricting that but do i think still think i can be great can the broadcast still be great yes and the trade-off is to me and obviously to my company worth it at this moment you know at a time where you know the pandemic is once again you know roaring uh across you know the world but certainly our country um, and all those who are, you know, dealing with colder weather climates right now, um, you know, it's nice to not have to travel. And uh, and it's nice to have that added layer of safety and security. And if that means that occasionally, you know, I'm going to call Kent Bazemore, Carmelo Anthony, you know, or, uh, I, you know, I, I'm probably better off using, um, you know, two guys on the same team. But you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, it, it, like, I think I called, who did I call? I think I mistook Covington for Melo in uh, my first game. Like, that will happen occasionally. Um, and that's okay. That's like, I think people get it. And I think for the most part, people can't really tell during the game because our audio is incredible. What they've done with our audio, first of all, I control my own mix. 
it sounds exactly like it does when I do a game in my headset, except for I have more control. So it's actually even enhanced. Um, and the video is, uh, it's challenging because there's like a staccato to the feed I'm calling it off of. It's not as clean as when I call it off a monitor, like what I'm doing for road games for Nets or what I did for the WNBA in studio in Bristol. This is actually with the at-home feed, it's actually over the internet. So like a fast break turns into sort of like a, um, almost like a, like you could like jump, like from like the foul line, all of a sudden you're at the block, you know, and like it, and even like every shot is I'm, maybe I'll text you a video later, Jimmy, but every shot is just kind of like, you know, there's like a little like lag. lag frame to frame. Yeah. There's, there's a little lag frame to frame. So that's a challenge. I mean, I, I have to really concentrate, uh, calling it, but for the most part, I'm blown away with how good it can be, even with those challenges. I didn't know. I mean, you're dealing with the lag there. That is hard. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's it's not. It's funny, man, because it's like I it, the if it was a monitor, if it was if it was the same speed picture clarity that we get calling off a monitor from studio, it, calling it at home would be oh my gosh, absolutely flawless and the greatest thing ever you know um if you're not going to be able to experience the atmosphere in person that is but the actual picture is a lot different and so you know the where you may end up running into issues occasionally you're going to misidentify guys fast breaks deflections like out of bounds it's harder to be precise with identifying you know whereas if i'm at the game a lot of times i can see something clearly that maybe even the officials didn't, right? Or maybe the game cut wasn't on at the time it happened. Off a monitor, I could still see things incredibly clearly and perhaps even see something the officials didn't see. Now, obviously, I'm really only seeing the game cut for the most part, but I still might be able to pick up on something. With this, super hard to be that specific. Like on a fast break, you're going to have to be more general. Like block shots, telling who blocked a shot because of the lag time frame to frame, really difficult. Um, but like, can you call around it? You can, you can make it work, you know? And, and for right now, I think it's the smart, safe thing to do. And it's a challenge. And, you know, and when we go back to the old way, it's going to feel like the easiest thing in the world after, uh, after doing this. And, and the cool thing is too, guys, like our technical people at ESPN have been amazing. Like if I have a question, our ops and technical people, I, I have a question. They, they literally, they are back to me in seconds with an answer. So I, I and they're working, you know, they want the feedback. So they're working on ways to reduce that lag, picture, you know, frame to frame. And and but even still like this, we can totally call it. We can still be great at it um, because of all the work they put into it. But it's definitely challenging. Yeah. Is there a producer in your ear or a score official score score or scorekeeper in your ear? Are you getting multiple? Because how because, like you know, live time when you're sitting there. It's very mm -hmm. easy for you to tell that's the producer, that's, you know, my network, my host, what what booth mate, basically. Mm -hmm. But is it, how do you tell, is you have multiple people in your ear that all sound the same? No, so the audio setup, somehow they have routed it exactly the same. Um, Eddie Acuno, who's our unbelievable, like, head mastermind engineer behind this at ESPN, came up with and his colleagues came up with this incredible audio system where I literally like the producer in my ear sounds exactly like he does when I'm at the game. The analyst 
might be like slightly different than at a game, but for the most part, the same. Um, I even have a button now to be able to communicate directly with my researcher, which I don't even have when I'm at the game. You know, it's all note cards at the game. And for the most part, we've been using like whiteboard and Zoom for this or like Zoom chat. But I actually could talk with him directly and he could talk to me if we wanted to. And I've talked back to everybody. To I've talked back to my analysts, which, again, I don't normally have in my game. I've talked back to my producers um, and I can I can literally manipulate the dial so that it's just in one ear or it's in both ears. Same thing with like the natural sound, the effects. I can change that. So if I want to hear the sneakers, the rims more. So yeah, so like audio wise, it's actually amazing. Like I I don't have a single tweak audio wise. It's incredible. The only thing that's a challenge is, you know, accurately identifying and keeping up with uh, the video because of the the lag. But but audio wise, it is absolutely incredible. I, I would call it flawless and maybe even enhanced from what we normally have. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. I, a while ago, maybe your first, second time when you joined us, I was enthralled with your note-taking on the van, uh, vanilla envelopes in Inside and Out. When CeCe joins you for the game, is he asking you for advice or is he looking at you being like, man, like well, you do all that? I'm not doing any of it. <laughs> I, I, I think he, you know, one thing that's like super um appreciated by me is cc always really respects my work that i put into broadcast even for our podcast and like and he also very much likes that he doesn't have to do that part of things you know and he has a, a real natural gregariousness on air and you know this this just incredibly um i think likable unique personality and like he can't be taught you know and it's i think the setup's best when he could just go in and be himself right and there are things where he's like yo we got to hit on this or whatever you know but he he always talks about like oh man i could just sit back and do my thing because rise got that you know and yeah. so he has that <laughs> that faith in me which i appreciate um and so for the game i think that there was definitely and cc expressed this afterwards as well there was definitely a comfort level knowing he had me there and then he had Sarah as well, who Sarah is like, Sarah Kustak like the most welcoming, likable, fun human in the world. So like she was amazing with bringing Cece in. Um, and he was, you know, he's, he was nervous. He talked about it with, he was like, like, man, I'm so nervous, like going into it. So, um, you know, we tried to give him like, you know, just the be yourself talk because that's really all that mattered. And what was amazing to me is literally, I feel like three minutes into the game, he settled into being CC Sabathia, the hilarious, just like incredibly authentic, natural dude on air that we all love. And he was great. Like I was blown away with how good he was because you even think like with certain mechanics, maybe he'd struggle a little bit or whatever. It's his first time doing something like that. He was great. He he fit in so seamlessly and like he knew where to add. He knew where to react. He had some humor. He had a really funny line about like when Karis LeVert got knocked down and he's like, Karis, don't worry. They ain't calling fouls out here today. You know, like, <laughs> like, yeah, he was just like his normal self. And like Marcus Smart had a foul, like before the inbound away from the play foul where you get one shot in the ball. And like, we see the replay and he just like, you know, clearly hugs. I think it was like Durant or Torian Prince before the inbound. 
And Cece's like, no, see, Marcus just wanted to see if there was anything they would call. You know, like it was, <laughs> he, 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 was, he really has some great lines and just this natural feel. So I was proud of him because I, I know how nerve wracking it can be to step into something new, even if it's what you do. Every single time I do something for the first time, right? First Yankee game on TV, first, you know, filling in for John, first Yankee game on radio, you know, first, first NBA on ESPN game, first women's college game, which I did recently, like. I'm always nervous, even though it's like a thing I do and I do a lot of. I'm always nervous for that first thing. This is a first thing for him and not something he does, you know, and he just knocked it out of the park, man. I was so proud of him. His his personality plays anywhere. Um, yeah. I think I think that's that's that. I know well, this has been a lot of a production podcast so far, but you, uh, Jimmy could talk <laughs> that stuff all day and we're we're in the world. I mean, what? What was the conversation about CC cussing a little bit? Because we knew we knew one was coming, and it's it's fine. But like, I mean, are you guys placing side bets? Is it just there's uh, some rumors out there that it was there were some rumors that it came after ten o'clock, which TV changes, and maybe they were like, you know, it's okay, CC. Yeah, true to that. I, I will I will tell you that CC and Amber had a bet. <laughs> Amber bet CC. I think it was for a grand that he would cuss at some point. And CC said he wouldn't. And Amber won that. Bit. Uh, <laughs> and it was so funny because obviously on R2C2, it's like part of the natural feel of what makes it authentic because it's very much a part of his casual vernacular. Right. And as soon as it happened on the air at the game and we're sitting in our own little plexiglass booths, and he, it's Sarah to my right, and then Cece on the other side, and I, he, he cusses, and and we look, and Cece goes, oh, my, you know, like he, you could, say, he felt awful, like you know, and it's funny because on a podcast there would be obviously no reaction, no reaction, yeah, natural, but he could tell he felt terrible, but gratefully, which I think was appropriate, um, the bosses at Yes instead focused on rightfully so how great he was, and they were so pleased with his performance. Um, as they should have been. So they were able to kind of, uh, I think, chalk up uh, the cuss to um, a charming moment that we know yes. to be part of his repertoire. <laughs> now, is this is this something CC wanted? Did he did he reach out to you and to Yes? Did you did you and Yes reach out to him? We we know he we know. I mean, he started a podcast on his way out mm -hmm. of being an active player, so you know he wants to stay in there. And he was doing NFL stuff on ESPN. Um, NFL yep. Network. NFL Network. But he's always said he's not wearing a suit yep. to talk sports now. He does change his rule for basketball to baseball. <laughs> so yeah. I, I I guess did did he did he approach yes? Be like, yo, put me on a game? You know, no, he didn't. Um I but so first of all, with the suit thing, what's funny is like I think also like you know, nobody's really gotten to see CC in person, obviously, because of COVID. But when you see him in person, you're going to be like, what? Like, he is totally transformed. He, like, you've gotten to see it in photos. But, like, when you see it in person, you're going to be like, this dude isn't even close to yeah. overweight anymore. His he's, trainer he's sends us videos a lot of them oh, in yeah, the gym. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave Palladino. Yeah. yeah. He, like, it is it's ridiculous. So I think there's a part of him that was, like, jacked up to put on a suit. Look all and, nice. He's looking you know, good. Yeah, he's looking good, man. But he, so his philosophy was like in baseball, it's hot out. Like, I don't want to be wearing a suit on like a <laughs> summer day. And then he's like, 
He's like, and I can't put on a corny polo, you know, like, so with him. that's it. That, yeah, that's his thing. Like, I think if he could wear like any kind of polo, he'd be cool with that. Or if it was, I think you could get him. Now I feel like I could get him in a suit for a cold weather baseball game. Maybe okay. um, he might contest that, but that, I think he would. Well, there's uh, so but, many suits now that feel like sweats. Like Lululemon oh. is basically changing the game and, and all these companies that like that yeah. suit pants. This feels like sweatpants. So it's getting better. Exactly. I'm wearing Lululemon pants right now. Exactly, man. A hundred percent. So I feel like that could be done. But basketball, he was like, you know, I think it's just something too, right? When you go sit courtside, you dress up. Like, so I think mm. he was into it. But no, he, you know, he's always had interest in doing, I think, you know, different things in media. Like, I think he would be an amazing color commentator on baseball games. Um, and maybe someday he'll dabble in that. But I don't think that excites him the way that doing some outside the box sort of things excite him um, and uh, and being able to kind of carve his own niche, not to speak for him. But, you know, I, I think he I think there are a lot more elements than just calling baseball games that drive him and and, and that he's enthusiastic about. So, um, uh, yes, actually uh, came to me and said, like, hey, do you think he'd be interested in doing something like this. I know he thinks kind of outside the box. He's become a Nets fan. He loves KD. He knows basketball. We think it'd be fun. It's a preseason game, you know, so there's not a lot of pressure. And I was like, yeah, as long as Sarah's there too, I think he'd love it and be great at it. And so then I, they wanted me to just see, you know, what CC said. And so I brought it up to CC and he, he was like, yeah, man, I'd do that if I'm doing it with you and, and, and Sarah, absolutely. I'd love to. And so then they connected and and uh, and figured it out. Um, and there was some talk of him maybe doing it from home, um, like the the Studio Twenty One Paul O'Neill <laughs> setup. But Cece really wanted to be on site with us, you know. And I'm glad he was because I think it made it a lot easier to interact. It's one thing when you're Paul and you have a million reps with Michael and David, right? It's another thing when you're coming into something totally new. Like if it was just me and Cece <clears throat> doing a pod, that's different. But you know, a new, a new venture. So I think it was great to have him there. And he had a blast. Like yeah. he loved it. He could not have had a better time. Well, uh, I want, we want to talk some Yanks with you, but before we leave the Sabathia realm, cause they, they do hook you in and yeah. a little add R2C2 Amber today came on our producer BBD listened to it on the way. And I'm listening on the ride home, but my, my favorite Marcus Stroman quote ever is he references Amber and says she's the realist and I love that um, so how, how awesome was that and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have tuned in or are about to tune in as well yeah I think we have a good crossover uh, you know listenership which we actually we should do some kind of crossover home and home or something we were about to and then yeah. COVID hit and yeah. then COVID hit yeah. yeah I know we were literally about to do that but we should do that again well you know either maybe we wait till we could do it in person uh, or maybe we do it like this. Whatever. We yeah. should do it for sure. Because, you know, CeCe's a fan of you guys as well, just like I am. But Amber was amazing. Um, she, you know, she is. She's the realist. Uh, Marcus is right. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, I think what's cool about um, the pod is, like, we really got in depth, and, and which is something that's addressed on the documentary that comes out Tuesday night on HBO, Tuesday night on HBO as well, Um about his alcoholism. You know, we yeah. really dove into that and Amber gave the perspective of, you know, her conversations with Cece and even like the decision to do it when he did it um, and their conversation about that, um, you know, kind of keeping the family together during that period and, and uh, 
and how it opens CC up to being, you know, really comfortable in his skin and his authentic self. And so there was some heavy um, emotional stuff we got into, in which Amber provided just incredible insight. Um, and then there was, you know, fun stuff about them first meeting and dating, how they both had uh, other significant others at the time they started hanging out in high school um, and some of the fun elements of that. <laughs> uh, and then just navigating, you know, um, baseball, Major League Baseball as a, as a wife, um, also as one of the few black women who were in that family room and, and you know, the different challenges of that as well. Um, and, uh, and then like, what's to come, you know, like Amber's an EP of the doc you're going to see on HBO Tuesday night. You That's know? Awesome. awesome. Yeah. It's sick. I mean, she's, she literally like, she's, a, she's amazing. Everything she touches turns to gold. Um, and, uh, and so, and she's fun and she's smart. So I think people are going to get a kick out of it. And she obviously has a different level of insight into CC. Are they East coasters now? You know, I or- think so. Yeah. Like they, <laughs> like they're. It's funny because CeCe has so enjoyed, you know, being home during this COVID period. He's like, you know, I never really got to enjoy Jersey suburbs before in my house, you know, and like he loves it. Um, You know, I think I'm curious what will happen if Lil C is getting a lot of attention baseball wise from different schools, some of them out west. Um, Mm. And so I'm curious what will happen if, you know, if he's playing out west. I think dad's going to have a hard time not being there a lot for games, you know? Yeah, so, you do. The, you know, constant yeah. road trips. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm curious what will happen then. But, yeah, they're, I think they're, they're all in on, uh, on, you know, Jersey living until at least uh, the kids are done and out of school. And, and Carter, the youngest, is 10. So they still got some time here for sure. As someone from the East Coast who moved to the Bay Area and now moved back, I love when people move out here and then stay. And like I like this more. I just have a little like competitiveness in me. Like, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> I actually just moved into. I just found out that my neighbor's house, Mel Stoudemire, lived there during seasons. Uh, really, when he was the coach? Yeah. Oh, that's sick, man. Yeah, that's sick. Are you are you in are you in the Burbs now? Jimmy? Yeah, right you... over right over the George Washington Bridge. Mm. Not Fort nice, Lee, man. right next to Fort Lee. But nice, we dude. like it. I yeah. need to get out of this. That's city. great. Dude, I totally get it. I feel that same pride. You know, I'm from New York. I've lived here. You know, I've lived either uh, in uh, Dutchess County, the Bronx, or Manhattan my entire life. Um, and I have such pride in that, too. Like, it's, yeah, we stole one. Yeah. You know, like, I love, <laughs> the pride. I love it when the I don't need the sunshine. Especially I'm, I'm California, because you know? they, they, yeah. they think it's the best place ever. And then you're like, oh, well, how about this? Like yeah. That? No, oh, it's true. Like, I always, what I always say about New York is... It's the one place where I definitively feel like these are my people, you know, like no matter, you know, where I've been or how beautiful it is. And I could definitely be tempted with different climates for sure, you know, (laughs) Um, but the people here, I just I don't know. There's just something about the people here that I just love. I I love it. It's it's like there's this like to use Marcus Stroman's thing, right? There's this incredible realness. To, That's what I always to, say. You know, yeah. Like, There's he, no surface it, level. Everyone yeah. is who they are right away. Yeah. yeah you don't need to exactly. get to know anyone. Like you're an asshole exactly. or you're nice and you tell me right away. <laughs> exactly. And it extends beyond just like 
the city, right? And the five boroughs. It's like a tri-state area thing. New Jersey's full of characters. Basically yeah, like a yeah. cartoon state. <laughs> yeah. And you know, whether if you're in you're in Connecticut, you're in, you know, you're in Westchester or even a little further north of that, like, yeah. I mean, it's really um it, it there's just something about it where I'm like, yeah, these are my people. So I'm with you, Jimmy. Right. Score one for us. Got him. And I love the snow. I'm so happy that we got a nice storm before Christmas. Dude, just... dude you know what I did yesterday? <laughs> I, I, I actually went sleigh riding with my mom and dad. Really? Wow. Yes. This is something I haven't done in probably I'm 34. I, I don't, I probably haven't done it since like my early twenties. We used to snowmobile a lot when I was a kid. Um, and I was uh, at my parents' house uh, for a couple days, um, and we, like my nephew, my little nephews had just been there, and they were sledding, and the sleds were still out, and I was like, you know what? I haven't played in the snow in a really long time. I really want to play in the snow. And like, so I went out, and then all of a sudden, my dad was like, you know what? I'll come. And then my mom, my wife was like, uh, Debbie, why don't you, you should go, go with them, go. So we all went sledding together. It was Man. like being five again it was amazing making hallmark cards over there i love yeah. it how the head do in the cold is this your first time bald-headed winter this is my first bald-headed winter it's it, <laughs> label it, it that way yeah it's it, it's it you know <laughs> you know what's, what's interesting though is it's like every once in a while i will i'll like get that i'll like remember like oh i gotta put something on this yeah. out here like it's good it's, it's gonna get chilly but then other times you think you have to put something on it. And like my, I walked today for a while and you know, it's, it's like sunny and like 45 or something. And all of a sudden I'm like, wait, I can't, like, this is getting too hot. Like I'm sweating under here. You know what I mean? Like it's okay to let her fly today. So I, I, I kind of, I'm finding that balance. Do you see Stucco flaunting his hair? No. What did he do? Oh, oh my, my God. God. Stucco's actually, Full I, bowl of lettuce. We love Stucco. Really? Uh, I'm going to see him in Stamford tomorrow because we're doing big Nets pre- and post-game stuff on Yes, and then we're doing game. a ton of social media takeover stuff during the Nets opener. Sarah Kusak and I are going to be doing that. Um, so I'm going to see Stucco there, uh, You know, one of the, our masters of all things digital at Yes. But I haven't seen his hair yet. I Are can. you pulling up a picture, Jimmy? Yeah, yeah, because I, I took it just to send to Jake. What's up, Stucco, if you're listening? Because I was like, look at this. This is crazy. Flostradamus. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. He's just letting it flow. 2020, baby. Dude, you know, I, I think back, and, like, there was a time where I had, like, beautiful curly hair. <laughs> and for some reason, I felt compelled to, like, gel it up mm. heavy heavy gook you know and like talking to the right guy probably, yeah man like i clogged those pores for sure and <laughs> you know I, I i don't know if it would have just happened this way anyway but i didn't give myself the best chance <laughs> you know like i could have had a better shot and i didn't enjoy it when i could have like i was trying to change it instead of enjoy it and i could have just let it fly without a brush and i think it probably was beautiful, and I didn't realize it until it was too late, guys. Mm. We talked to Passon on our winter meetings. He takes pills. He's, he's juicing. He's, uh, yeah, he's uh, oh, PD. He's yeah. taking uh, finasteride. Um, Something like which that. Is it looks good, though. Yeah, uh, it's, um. oh, my gosh. Ugh. He gave What's us the whole, He gave us the whole recipe. We could look it up because yeah, I'm starting you know, to get a little monkey patch back here that I'm worried about. Well, but you're Jake. How old are you now? I'm 31. 
Dude, if if you're just dealing with a little patch at 31, that ain't bad, man. You've already won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I already had a pretty good run, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I mean, you, you, you're 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 in the black for life, man. I'm sorry. Like there's there, there's no doubt. But it's um, gosh, every whoever's listening right now is probably saying it's the it's like a very common yeah. drug. I think I gave the technical term for it, finasteride, but it's um. There's Propecia, Propecia. and there's like knockoff. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Propecia. Um, but, you know, I know I know a lot of people who've used Propecia and they have great results, like amazing results. I just know myself and I never like I have hair. I, I am bald back here, but I have hair otherwise he, all here. Yeah. You know? But um, but I am like I just knew myself and I'm like, I can't take one. I can't take a pill every day. And not like have it in my head, like yeah. about like you know, uh, like I, I'm a, yeah, a shapely, of, yeah. nice shapely head too. It's all Clean. rounded, it's perfect. Wife likes it, you're set. It, I agree. No maintenance. I, like my my wife loves it. I, I I've honestly like I could not feel better about it. So I, I'm I'm pumped about it. now. If I had like gorgeous locks, you know, like that'd be different. But if I'm trying to spackle shit together anyway, <laughs> like you know what, might as well. Just let it fly when you got a nice shaped dome, right? So let's go. Looks great. beautiful. Uh, we got to talk some Yanks. A I also want to talk you and the Yanks. Obviously, because of COVID and the weird season, you didn't get to call any Yankee games uh, last yeah. year. They just stuck with Michael and uh, and Pauly from the basement and Coney. Yeah, I mean that sucks for you. But uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was, you want to talk about that? talk about that? Like obviously uh, understandable. You know, it, it's funny, man, because like it did suck, you know, yeah. like it, it did. Um, I I was grateful that they still got me involved in uh, in studio, um, you know, a few different ways and even got to do a, a playoff game. Um, and I uh, I really, um, you know, I I I got to be involved in the summer training shows a lot, too. But I tried to take the approach of it's such a weird year, you know, and it, and there's so many different reasons for that. Like I knew it wasn't because they didn't want me on the games, you know, like everybody was thrilled with what happened in 2019 as, as you know, was I not with the circumstances that, you know, made me have to do games, but I was thrilled with the way the actual games went. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't awesome not getting to do any games this year, like for sure. Um, but it wasn't something that I was like, you know, stomping my feet over or whatever. I told my boss and the John Filippelli in the beginning, I was like, Hey man, like this is a weird year. Yeah. Like everybody's dealing with a million things. I totally get it. I want to do games. Uh, but however I can help the network, you let me know and I'm game. Um, and, uh, and, and, it, and that's the way this year was, you know, and I, I feel like we just all kind of had to accept that, you know, like. John Flaherty should have been doing games too, right? Like, it's just like, we all, COVID presents weird challenges, you know? Yeah. And um, and especially at the time that the baseball season was happening as well, right? Like, right now, you may have felt a little more comfortable with, like, some, you know, interchangeable parts or mixing pieces a little bit mm -hmm. or getting things down. But at that point, it was a real challenge. How are we just getting these games on the air? And how are we getting people comfortable with the technology? Um, and so while... You know, it wasn't fun to not get to do games. It also was something where I totally understood why. Do they do they have a plan for 2021 yet? I mean, are they waiting for the schedule to get released first? Schedule's out. 
Well, maybe they might delay Kinda, it a yeah. month through or whatever. I'm guessing yeah. it's back in the mix. I know you you guys have heard that too, right? As far as like who knows, maybe it gets delayed, maybe it doesn't. It's um, gonna be a messy fight again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I mean, you know, I, I just wanna say this like uh, on the whole, okay. Um both sides need to figure it out, okay? The it, it, to me, it's not enough to be right. You have to find a way to produce dialogue that bridges gaps and that convinces the other side of what you need and what you can give. And I know that's much easier said than done. I'm intimately familiar with negotiating CBAs because my father has been a lead negotiator for the NFL in that regard for 34 years. I know how difficult it can be. But I think for baseball... I sometimes don't think they realize how dire the stakes are for them to clean it up. Both sides, you know, they're, they're going to kill the golden goose if they don't figure it out. Now I will say there's also the element of we get things in real time in today's media and especially social media and some of the negotiating steps that always have happened now feel like, more trademark moments yeah. because we're at, we're hearing about them and they're being amplified and magnified. So I get that. Um, but I just want there to be like, I want major league baseball and the players association to realize that it is of paramount importance for both of them to come to some sort of, you know, agreement here uh, because the sport is not in a place where I think it'd be good for it to have any kind of extended delay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we don't know right now, to answer your question, like how the games will be broadcast. Um, I think, you know, a lot of it depends on what ends up happening with the vaccine, when the season starts, how things are at. Can, you know, right now, probably the, the safe bet would be we call games at home from the booth, on the road from studio, or like they did last year from Yankee Stadium off monitors. But maybe that changes, you know, during the season. Maybe, you know, maybe if you're vaccinated, you get to travel. Maybe, um, you know, maybe they're, you know, with the increased rapid testing, you get to travel. Or maybe it's you get to go to local cities, but, you know, go to ALE cities, but not others. NLE cities, but not others. Um, I think that right now it's still so fluid that, you know, you could use the fallback as home, your home, road, you're off a monitor, mm-hmm. and then see if you can expand it as you get closer. God. I mean, some some of those sentences, it, it just makes you remember how real everything is, that it's like, well, if you're vaccinated, maybe you can travel, and it's like, wow. Yeah. Um, and that's just me speculating, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, you know, do we get to that place, right, where it's like, it's almost like a passport of sorts for, you know, yeah. doing things, you know? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the good thing is, like, you figured out a way to do it, right? You figured out a way to get the games on the air, figured out a way to have the season, and we should have way more tools at our disposal to make all of that easier this year. Um, and I hope that we're on the road for those games. But maybe maybe we won't be right away. Maybe we will be a little later. You know, health and safety is going to still take priority. And uh, everything you said about MLB and MLBPA is so true, too. I know me and Jimmy, we we joked on Talking Baseball for a while that we were a labor pod because that's literally what we talked about. And it's it's yeah. insane, and you hope one one of the sides at some point is able to put down the swords and have a conversation because that's kind of all we ask. Um, 
from from the Yankees perspective, you're around the same age as us. You grew up with the core four, and I know it, mm-hmm. I I say this a lot, but it's something that we've cycled through, especially growing up on the lunch tables, where it's like you know, we used to hear the Yankees pay for their players, and it's like, well, actually. The, those core guys, they're pretty good. They they came yeah. up through the org, and then you know Boston started getting good. They've got the high salary. Won't even go there. Um, the DJ Lemayhew, uh, he's the free agent. You know there there were some Blue Jay rumors today. We're you know we're hearing he wants to be with the Yankees, and you know it checks all the boxes. He's been great here. Um, he he wants to win. Do you, this is dramatic. Do you think that the Lemayhew signing or not signing is kind of um, Indicative uh, indicative of the Yankees going forward Because, I mean, it, it is true In any years past If DJ had performed like he had for the past two years You're coming back, son We'll figure out the math And now it does seem, you know, the Yankees are a business Yeah, I mean I think that I think that there are Real financial implications To what happened this past season You know, and I think that Um most teams in Major League Baseball, if not all, are going to be, you know, really careful about where they spend their money um, because it's just not a money-making business without fans. It's not, you know, not in its current, you know, model, not with its current salaries, you know. Um, and so there are, I mean, teams that lost a lot of money. And, you know, as a business, I'm sure that goes into, you know, the thought process behind any decisions moving forward, especially with some uncertainty for this coming season. Um, However, I also think that you, in this particular case, you want to be careful not to overthink it. And you also want to have respect for the process, right? So I'll deal with the respect for the process first. DJ LeMay is a free agent. The Yankees obviously want him back. They're not trying to be so coy that they're not saying that, right? They're openly saying, Brian Cashman saying, he's our number one priority. We're trying to get it done. And that is them trying to show the respect for a player they want, right? They're not not looking to anger him. They're just also not looking to pay money that no one else is going to pay just for the sake of it, right? They're not looking to pay a Yankee tax because they're the Yankees and they can afford it, right? They're looking to pay what this current market is dictating. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with them going about it that way um, and, and trying to get a feel for the landscape. Having said that, I also think you want to, at the same time, be careful that you don't lose him because losing him would be a massive mistake. Now, I've seen people try and justify like, well, you know, if you ended up trading for Francisco Lindor, then it's okay. No, it's not okay. It's not okay to lose DJ LeMahieu. DJ LeMahieu has been the best player on the New York Yankees for two straight seasons. This is a team that wants to win a championship. The reason you've allocated the money you have to Garrett Cole is to win a title. Mm -hmm. If you take away DJ LeMahieu, your chances of winning a title go down significantly. And now all of a sudden that investment in Garrett Cole is not as significant a one as it should be, right? Because you've given him a much worse chance of winning a championship. This is a guy who is a plus at three defensive positions who literally fits in perfectly with the culture, with the atmosphere, with the grind in New York, the media. He fits perfectly with how it comes to, um, you know, when you talk about just the, the pressure of playing in New York, the October moments hitting good pitching, the ballpark, 
you know, this guy, I apologize for the sirens. All good. It adds to the drama, man. This is beautiful. They want DJ Like, But I, you know, in all seriousness, like, he's the perfect Yankee. And he's perfect for this team right now. So you can't lose him. Period. The end, you can't lose him. But I understand doing everything you can until it gets to that point of trying to get him at your best price. So walk that line. And at the end of the day, do what you have to do to get him. Because losing him would be a big mistake that you will end up trying to make up for in ways that won't be as efficient as just cutting him whatever check you have to. I I think Cash is getting sick of bidding against himself and all these teams and especially Boris guys using the Yankees uh, as leverage. And that's why when Bryce Harper was a free agent, Cash came out and said, we're not interested. Yeah. They're not even making an offer. And Boris's camp was like, what the hell? You can't do that because now you're yeah. ruining. And he Cash is like, well, don't use me as a chip. And then with Garrett Cole last year, the Yankees went above and beyond the Angels. Offer. Yeah. They right. made the Yankees bid against themselves at the last second. And then, you know, 10 hours later, the next day, it came out, oh, the second offer wasn't even close. And Cash is probably like, okay, so yeah, we bid against ourselves. So I think that's... Why? And it's kind of like what you said with the CBA negotiating. This usually happens. It's just happening as a headline now. Yes. Whereas it's like, you know, the Yankees aren't going to go for five years 100. Well, because they don't think anyone else is going to offer that. Now, if he goes to the Blue Jays and they offer him five years 100, well, now the Yankees may go five years 100. But I think it's very much Cash is being sick of having to bid against himself uh, for these guys. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. Like, you know, like that, that's my bottom line. I, I don't think anything the Yankees have done at this point with the negotiations is something that is troubling or worrisome at all. You know, I, in fact, I think it's the opposite, right? Like if they had been more coy publicly when talking about their desire for DJ LeMayu, I would be saying like, come on, that's overthinking it, guys. Like there's no need for that. But they've been incredibly expressive and honest. And I think that's great. And so now if it's like, hey, what you just said, Jimmy, we're not, we're not going to bid against ourselves. Like we will, we will pay what the market is to make sure we keep them, but we're not going to, you know, set the market. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, that's fine. You know, if it's, I I mean, I saw you guys come up with the compromise. Maybe it was you, Jimmy, or maybe it was you, Jake, or both of you, but like the, you know, four years, 75 option for 50 or something like that. You know what? They should be able to come to agreement on that. DJ wants New York. New York wants DJ. He's a perfect player at the right time, perfect fit. Um, but I agree. I don't. I don't think there's any reason to cut that check until you realize you're gonna lose him if you don't. Exactly, and that's why. Why would you make the first offer for your cash? Like DJ has publicly said that he wants to come back too. So they're gonna be that. Yeah. The worry right. is, do they get anyone else? Because, you know. We had a question from a caller the other day, and are the Yankees going to upgrade from the 2020 team? And it doesn't seem like they're going to upgrade from the 2020 team because the priority now is trying to stay the same as the 2020 team in a way if you can get DJ back and Tanaka back, but you're still losing Paxton, who got injured, but there's some good starts in there. Hap did have a decent year last year after the first two starts. Like, Is there any other moves? Because besides health and your – Fingers crossed, Sevy and Domingo coming back and being ready for the, the playoffs. The Yankees really aren't in a big position to upgrade the team from mm-hmm. 2020 to 2021, which is a very interesting way to look at it. 
there's a big possibility they downgrade if they don't get DJ back. But if they get him back, really it's kind of just status quo plus health. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. I mean, I, it, I do. I would like to see Tanaka back because there's reliability in the rotation. Um, you know, I, I would like to see, you know, some sort of boost to the rotation. But it's a weird year. And so, to me, the most important thing is LeMayu. You bring back LeMayu, I think you got a shot, a real good shot just with that group, you know. Um, but there, if I was going to say positionally, if there was a way to finagle something, what would be my biggest goal would to be uh, getting more athletic at shortstop, you know, and having Glaber play second. Um, and I don't know how exactly you make that work because, you know, it, it's hard. You know, let's assume Geo's back. Geo's proven he's a guy you want to play every day, right? Um, and DJ, you want to play every day. You can move him around. But, you know, the idea of Stanton not being able to play the outfield means the the Luke, you know, Stanton sort of duplication hamstrings your ability to play Glaber somewhere other than short, right? Um, and so it's it's interesting because, like, on face value, especially seeing the way the team was playing, I think, at, at the time they were going at the playoffs, I think you could run it back, feel great about your chances to win a championship. If you're looking to improve beyond internal growth, individual growth from these guys, Gary having a better year, Glaber having a better year, uh, maybe, you know, Davey or, you know, Schmidt or some of these other guys contributing – it's not easy to find those spots without losing an asset that you really feel good about, you know? Um, and that's, what's tough. It's, and it really is crazy. We, cause you know, I mean, you, you can imagine, you know, when we do calls and everyone wants Lindor and it's who are we trading? What is it? You, I mean, the connect the dots you just did is crazy. It's, it's exactly what we've done. Cause it's like, okay, so who, who are the value trade guys? It's like, well, Luke Voigt's values at an all time high, but he was also the guy. Like he was out there yeah. every day last year and he's cheap. Gio Urshela, same thing. I mean, he's, he was one of the most important dudes on the team last year. And then it's like Clint who could be a star in his own right that he's battled through so much that it's uh, I don't know if Cashman does pull something out it's going to be real Cashman magic this year because it's it's not obvious well that's the thing right like I think when, when when 2017 was done like it was easy for me to tell and I'm sure it was easy for you guys to tell like they're not going to win the title with Starling Castro at second right like that was an obvious spot where it's like they need something different there. No respect to Starling, who actually had a very good year. Yeah. But going through October, you could kind of tell, like, that's a spot that's going to have to upgrade for them to get over the hump. You know, we need a different style hitter. You know, we need someone who has, you know, a little bit more range defensively, whatever it might be, right? We, we could tell. Um, with this team, you know, it's not obvious to say, like, oh, well, you know, what they really need to do is they need to find a way to get rid of Stanton. Well, are you sure? Because, like, that guy was their best hitter in the playoffs, yeah. you know? like Or, like, well, you know, like, you, they really need to find a way to get rid of Luke so that they can move Glaber to second and put, you know, DJ at first. Are, are you sure you want to get rid of the guy who was, you know, in the running for AL MVP last year and grinding it out on a bad foot, you know, and, and is at a, a good value cost right now? You know, it, it, to your point, right? Like, there's no... There isn't a guy who you say, like, no, they clearly can't be a part of the solution. Like, there's not one guy who I look at and I say, they're not going to be a part of the solution. 
that makes it tough to make moves because, I mean, it's a good thing, right? Because those guys yeah. all have value. Um, but it makes it tricky as to where you upgrade. Something that we ran into in the playoffs that is like, it's a very odd thought. But the more I think about it, the more I think it's true. And this isn't um, the infield alignment. Glaber had a tough year at shortstop. Geo's amazing. When Geo went to the shift and played short, he was still pretty good. Now he's not going to be a top tier <laughs> defensive, but I do think DJ at third, Geo at short, Glaber at second, Luke Voigt at first in the playoffs last year would have been a better defensive alignment. Glaber was really scary at short. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. It's so hard. To, it's hard to evaluate because you have to see. It's just a completely different position. I know. Right? And like, he's not ever, He's not going to be top tier, but Glaber yeah. was bottom but, tier. But then are you are you are you getting worse overall if you do that? Right? Because are you losing like are are you losing the exactly? Yeah. Are, are you are you getting worse at third? Yes. And not second. that better. Much better at short and worse at second. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But and it's not I, a long-term solution. But going into the playoffs last year, yeah, the fact that, that we were rattling that around wasn't like a good rattle. Hey, it's hard. It's hard to win a championship when you don't feel like everyone's a two-way guy. You know, yeah. I know that feels almost greedy. But, like, if you think about it, I always think about the Mets-Royals World Series in 2015. When going into it, I was like, at some point, I know the fact that they have a couple guys out in the field that you feel are really shaky, it's gonna, it's going to cost them, right? And eventually, it did with Murphy at second, and uh, who was the dude at first? You know, mm-hmm. yeah, like you, and you knew that, you know. I don't know if Glaber's quite in that place. Like, I feel much better about him than I did those guys, um, but he'll need to play better there. You know, like it, it's funny because in the stretch he played short um, in uh, when Didi was out. I was like, all right, you know what? Glaber, Glaber looks good. He's way better than I thought, you know? But last year, I think we saw the shakiness, you know? Um, and, uh, and and so he'll, he, needs to, he needs to get better there in order for you to not feel like, you know, you're covering something up with him there. Yeah, and that's kind of the weird – it's why it's a weird Yankee offseason. Like the LeMahieu thing, it – just feels like it's going to happen until it doesn't, which then, I mean, would open up a whole can of worms and make this a crazy offseason. But, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's it's everything you said. I mean, Gary, I, it can't be that Gary. Glaber at shortstop, he's still so young. Like, can you, can those Cashman quotes twist the knife enough that he can he can improve there? Um, Clint every day. And then Clark and Davey, man, I mean, those are, those are the other wild cards, right? Because you look at the starting rotation and you say, I mean, if you can flip one of those guys for a bona fide stud, we say that's awesome. But if one of those two guys is a stud, they can be a stud for the next six, seven years. So it's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of this sit on your hands and <laughs> just see see who comes out better. I know. It's, a, it's, a, it's interesting because it's true. You know, I mean, ultimately their offense was healthy then in the playoffs, right? So... I, you, you could look at some things internally and say, okay, Glaber will have a better regular season, which I think we all would expect, right? Mm-hmm. Like Judge will play more of the regular season, which we obviously would hope and, and expect. Sanchez could be better. So there's some internal improvement things, but how many of those are different than in the playoffs? Because Glaber was a beast in October, yeah. as he's been. 
Judge was still, even though his overall average wasn't what we wanted to be in the playoffs, he still had some big hits, Moments, right, yeah. in, in, in October. Um, and so Gary improving could be something. But Higashioka actually, you know, it's not like that position <laughs> yeah. was a minus in the playoffs. He played well, you know. So, uh, so yeah, I mean. I it, think overall the catching, even when, like, when Kratzy subbed in and he was good, I think, like, the overall catching numbers aren't terrible, which is why. Yeah, right. I mean – you know, you need. I guess the one area where you could end up feeling better is if there's two or three arms in the pen yeah. that you end up feeling confident in and have that trust. Um, and maybe, maybe that's really all that needs to be changed, right? Like maybe that's actually the area because that was a strength forever, and last year really wasn't for them. Yeah. And so maybe that's the area where you can make some moves that aren't that costly that sure things up and everything else you can run back and you have enough. And it, that, that may be enough. There's a lot of relievers out there to grab too, which. Yeah, there is. There is. Cause I still think like, you know, if they don't do what they did with the opener, like I still think they probably win that series. Yeah, um, and, and, and then, and then I think they probably win the ALCS. Maybe they don't beat the Dodgers, you know, but are we looking at this and then just saying like, okay, you know, they're, one or two more trusted late inning relievers away from being a title team. Because you also would have to think the top of your rotation is going to get better at some point when you get semi. Yeah. Hopefully he comes back. I keep saying the top line for all the options at, uh, at starter could be good, you know? Yeah. Uh, could for be sure. Good, but you'd like, and I think they're going to do a grab bag of guys, Kluber, Garrett Richards. I keep saying some of these Felix like minor league invites and just, Trying to get depth get some pieces. innings. Yeah. 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 No, that we'll see. That makes sense. Would you guys like to see the season start on time? Or would you guys like to see like if they told you start April first with twenty five percent fans, okay? Something like that. Or you could start May fifteenth with seventy five percent fans. Which one would you choose? April 1st. I was yeah. going to, I was ready to say like, well, business brain wants April 1st, but fan. And I was like, wait, no, both want April 1st. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just, give me, okay. just give me more baseball. Yeah. I don't go to I a know. lot of games anyway. I, I, I do. I know. I want as many games as possible. I really do. But, but I get it. Like I, I get the idea. See, like even the NBA, you know, with their season time is a little bit different, but if there had been an obvious moment where it was like, if we just wait till this date, we're going to have fans in the stands. They might've waited. You know, because if there's of a for what it certain means line, I get it. Yeah, but, but I mean, obviously, that it's hard to predict when when that would be anyway. So it's 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 like you're almost better off just navigating as soon as you can, uh, which is what the NBA ultimately decided, and maybe where baseball lands. But um, but I get the temptation uh, when you go from you know the financial ramifications of having fans to not. I also I am of. And I'm obviously I have no no real knowledge here. Smart, just a hunch or guess. I'm of the thought process that once civilization and society goes back to normal and the vaccine hits, I think every alive event's going to get sold out. I think people are going to yeah. go on vacations. I think everyone's just going to flock. I actually saw a viral tweet the other day. It was like, ah, oh, so this is why the 1920s were so lively and everyone was going out all the time because they just got over the Spanish. Uh, flu or yeah. whatever the hell it was. But, I think but, that like if there's a day and it's like okay, you can go to sporting events in full capacity. I think there's gonna, people are going to be flocking to just get out and do anything. You know, 
I mean, the Roaring Twenties actually did. They 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 were the child of, you know, getting over the yeah. Spanish flu, like the war and the flu. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So that's that's one hundred percent true. Um, yeah, I, I tend to agree too. I think the moment that people think they are individually protected, they will open things back up, right? And so, like, yes, it takes a while after you have, you know the vaccine, right? Like after the vaccine is distributed, everybody starts getting it. It takes a while for that to have the kind of sort of suppressive effect on the overall numbers of cases, right? Like you need it to be in the population for a while, see those cases plummet, 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 plummet. And then it's just basically not in the community at any sort of, um, you know, significant level where there's a significant risk, right? So that usually happens months after everybody is inoculated, not right when they're inoculated. Mm. But I do think that individually, people, for the most part, are going to take it once they get that second dose, they're going to say, hey, like, I feel pretty good about my chances, like, I'm ready to open back up, you know. And, uh, and so yeah, I mean, I, I think at some point in the summer, we're going to have like, people very excited about doing, uh, you know, doing, you know, all the things that they've missed during this nine month year, 15 month period, whatever ends up being. All of the things. Then we'll do the, all of the then things. we'll do the crossover talking Yanks R2C2 live event. Man, uh, don't you guys miss like having guests in person? Like yeah. well, that was the whole reason we're in the studio <laughs> in the Bronx. So like, oh. you know, players coming or going from games could just come in here and chill. We didn't get yeah. anyone. Have we had a guest in here? Zero, right? No. Just people that work here. I yeah. mean, it, it feels rude to ask. Like, oh, we're yeah. not going to ask you swing yeah. by the office. Like, no. Like, we don't know hey. where Big Baby David's been, you know? <laughs> Dude, hey, I, I totally get it, man. I, to I totally, totally get it. It's it's right. You can't. I mean, Rogan has people in studio, but they all test. Yes. Like, they, have a, they have a nurse on site, you know, and she... Uh, she swabs them and you know you have to record a negative before you can come in and whatever and like but otherwise if you don't have those resources which obviously most of us don't um yeah but i miss that you know as much as we've gotten good at this there's there is something different to the like energy and conversation and the ability to like slightly talk over each other but still comprehend <laughs> what the other one's saying like you know it's i can't wait for that uh for for whenever we get to to that time period, hopefully sometime in the not too distant future. Yeah, fingers crossed. I think we'll get there. And then the first the first game that's it'd be cool if they like did a gradual build, like twenty percent capacity, thirty, forty, and then playoffs come and they're like, All right, hundred percent and that first playoff game's just like BAM. Yeah. That'd be awesome. It it you know what? There's I remember I had um Bob Kraft on my radio show years ago with Stephen A. Um and we were talking about the challenges of continuing to put fans in the stands when the TV product kept getting better and better, especially NFL specific, right? You could be out in the cold watching one game or you could be at home eating whatever you want, watch you know, going to your own bathroom, watching Red Zone, right? Or watching every game. And he talked about, he's like, you know, yes, but it's one of the few places where you can still experience the energy of this shared experience common yeah. experience mm -hmm. and there's something about being human and feeling that energy 
that you just can't duplicate and that you crave, no matter what you have at your fingertips. And I think we all probably have an even better appreciation for that now and can't wait to experience that again in stadiums. Yeah, definitely. Shared experiences is like something that everyone craves. You don't even realize it. You'd be mm-hmm. sitting on the bus with someone and like something weird happens and you look around at everyone <laughs> and you're like, you saw that too, right? You saw that too, right? <laughs> and that's just like in us. Like it's in all of us to want that shared experience or just confirmation. Like I saw that. You saw that, right? That's what I agree. I miss it. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you for hanging out with us. We appreciate it. We'll let you yeah, go. Lo- hey, love being on with you guys. I, um, you know, I'm, I'm so thrilled for what you guys are doing and building and continuing to build. Um, and I'm such a fan and, and keep doing your thing, guys. You, you guys really have carved a totally different avenue in this business and, and you keep you keep expanding on it. So keep crushing it, man. Appreciate that. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. And there he was. There he was. I tweeted him, tell him you liked him. Every time Ryan comes on, it's kind of just a catch up between uh, buddies. So yeah, a lot of broadcast talk. A lot of Yankees talk at the end. Good stuff. If all you around. made it through all the production and life and broadcast yeah. talk, you got some good Yankees talk at the end. Yeah, that's uh, that's some people's favorite episode from the year. We're winding down, so hats off to you. Go uh, go check out Ruko's pod. Obviously, go check out the CC doc coming out. Jimmy's gonna get another random stat for you, which is probably be- gonna become a frequent thing. Most most walks lifetime in the World Series. Most walks lifetime in the World Series. Yep. Um, Babe Ruth. No. Mickey Mantle, 43. I had the right team. Yeah. Right team. So you won. And that was the end of this episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. Go Yanks. Tell them Grams. Go Yankees. <laughs>